I actually don't think it's the more you learn, the more you earn. For most people, I think it's the more you unlearn, the more you earn. What I'm going to do is set the scene for recurring income. I'm going to set the scene for all the speakers to come. Now, the speakers are going to talk to you about strategies and tactics. So I'll be doing a talk uh, later, probably tomorrow, actually, the next half of the Recurring Income Summit on the audio influencer revolution and monetizing your personal brand and monetizing audio. And John Lee, he'll be talking about monetizing social media. And Jess and James will be talking about building a viable business. We've got some amazing keynote speakers, absolutely massive legends, but I'm going to leave them um, to, for Colin to introduce. But they are huge, huger than huge. So, um, look, you're in great hands here. Now, look, I don't want to do a 45-minute intro or look at me and look at what I've done. I want to get straight into the content. I have got 7, 14, 19, 24 pieces of content to give you. So I'm going straight in. Now, if any of you watched my Facebook Lives, um, you'd have seen that I did um, an episode, if you like, on um, something I've changed my mind on quite significantly. So give me a yes in the comments if you've ever heard the phrase, um, the more you learn, the more you earn. Give me a yes in the comments if you've heard that phrase before. Because to me, that phrase was almost like one of the Ten Commandments. The more you learn, the more you earn. You win or you learn. You never lose. You know, you, you, you make millions, you lose millions. It's what you learned along the way. They can't take it away from you. The more you learn, the more you earn. And I've been doing this 15 years now. You know, I've made hundreds of millions. And I say that humbly, but that's just a fact. And I got a bit of an epiphany recently. I actually don't think it's the more you learn, the more you earn. Um, for most people. For most people, I think it's the more you unlearn, the more you earn. Hmm. Give you a little moment to reflect on that. The more you unlearn, the more you earn. Hmm. So I'm going to cover seven bad money habits to break so that you can unlearn some habits you've brought here today. Not that make you a bad person or make you doomed. Just that, you, you know, media, society, social media, your parents, your environment, you know, where you were raised. These have impressed upon you um, habits and beliefs and identity, which aren't real because none of them are real. They're just a perception. Then what I'm going to do is turn that around and teach you seven ways to appreciate your wealth. Now, both wealth and appreciation have double meanings. So wealth is riches, but it's also well-being. Um, the origin of the word wealth is wheel, and wheel means well-being. If you look at the um, etymology, or the history of the word wealth. So wealth is both well-being and riches. Oh, and by the way, usually the more you earn, the longer you live. Hmm, I bet you didn't know that. But generally speaking, you're higher up in society. Um, and generally, the more you earn, the longer you live. So what people do is they separate well-being from riches. Oh, money doesn't make you happy. And it's all about your health and not about your money. And they don't realize that the, the, the original definition of wealth is well-being. So I'm going to talk about wealth in terms of well-being and wealth in terms of money. And then appreciation. Appreciation has a double meaning. Look at Rob doing all the doubles. Double dipping, that's something else in Peterborough. So appreciation means to appreciate, i.e. I'm grateful. 
Uh, and it also means to grow, to appreciate in value, to grow. So I've found that what you appreciate, i.e. you're grateful for, appreciates, i.e. goes up. So I'm going to talk to you about the seven laws of wealth appreciation. That'll take us 14 tips through. Then I'm going to talk about the five quick differences between passive and recurring income, because I think there's a difference. And then I'm going to talk about the five rules of setting up recurring income. The seven bad money habits you need to break. Not judging, just saying. I'll list them, then I'll detail them. So number one is spending money when you're emotional. High or low. Volatile emotions tend to erode wealth. Let me say that again. Volatile emotions tend to erode wealth. When you move away from logic and to emotion, um, you tend not to make balanced decisions. Your best decisions are usually the balanced decisions. What does that mean? Um, assessing the upsides and the downsides. Wisdom is seeing the upside and the downside in every single situation. Number two, then, um, bad money habit to break. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, you know, Rob, what's the, what's the best tip you can give on money? What's the most important thing about money? And this is the most simple, yet the most not simple. Never spend more than you earn. Never spend more than you earn. I mean, logically, that's the easiest thing to say. Emotionally, for most of the planet, it's the hardest thing to do. Number three bad habit to break is hanging around broke people. Now, I don't judge broke people. Broke people aren't any better or worse than wealthy people. They're just broke. And you become who you hang around with. So if you want to be broke, hang around broke people. And if you want to be wealthy, hang around wealthy people. It's not a judgment on character. It's a fact of we impression each other. We take on habits of people around us. We, we you know, we... Do, adapt and develop in our society through osmosis. We um, naturally mimic, we naturally mimic as a child and we mimic as an adult. Okay, number four, people think that money is bad or it will change them or there's some dirty, filthy yuckiness about money. That's a bad habit. That's a, a belief around money you need to break. Number five, people spend, but they don't invest. So I, um, I teach my kids about money. They're seven and 10. You may have seen them on some of my Facebook lives. They come to my office and, you know, they sit in meetings with me and I'm really getting them involved. And the main rule I'm teaching them around money is whatever you earn, you save a third, spend a third, invest a third. Save a third, spend a third, third invest a third. Well, actually, for, for, for life purposes, we should put it in the um, order of spend a third, save a third, in, invest a third, because that's the order in which you do it. Now, you as an adult with all these overheads and bills are probably going, well, Rob, I can't save a third or invest a third because I'm spending 99.9 .9 recurring percent. Fine. You know, you start where you start. But because my kids haven't got debt or overheads or mortgages yet. But if you, your whole life, spent a third, saved a third, invest a third, you'd be a decamillionaire probably by the time you're 25 or 30. Even if you didn't earn more than 25, 30 grand a year, you'd be a millionaire by 30 easy. Just on that rule. Okay, number six then. People pretend that money is important. Oh, money don't make you happy. Money's not the most important thing. They pretend that money isn't important. Try going down the shop and buying everything with love. Try go to Alexander McQueen and buy a £4,000 jacket with gratitude. <laughs> Good fucking luck with that. And if you nail that, by the way, come and let me know and I'll go on your course. I'll go on your summit. I've got a new currency. It's called love. We don't need money. We just need love. I buy that with love. I receive that with love. Love makes the world go round. <laughs> Marie's like, you were robbed. Thanks, Marie, but I'm rich, so I can afford it. 
All right. Um, and then number seven, things you need to unlearn is relying on one single income source or stream. Right, so here we go then. Let's go through them all. Hopefully you're taking notes. You need to unlearn spending uh, money when emotional. So emotions are essentially feedback. And you respond to your environment. Oh, this feels safe. This feels like a threat. This person I can trust. This person I can't. This person said something to me. It makes me feel loved. This person says something to me. It makes me feel threatened. And so our, basically what our emotions are, are chemical releases in the body that react to the environment so we can move towards safety or away from threat. That is what an emotion is. And of course, we've so complicated. I mean, human beings are so complicated. I mean, I'm so emotional. Human beings have so complicated what emotions are. Now, you need, if you want to be wealthy, which is well-being and rich, you need to make important money decisions and important life decisions when you are the most regulated and balanced, but right in the middle between support and challenge and, you know, infatuation and depression, essentially. You need to be able to regulate yourself to go into logic and not emotion because emotional decisions don't factor in research, logic, data, best practices, etc. An emotional response is essentially a lack of control of yourself because you're triggered or you're jacked and you get this pump of adrenaline or cortisol or even dopamine and you're out of control of your decision making and you make decisions essentially on drugs. It's essentially what happens. So you need to make sure your big spending decisions and habits, your big life decisions and habits are not made when you're out of balance and you bring yourself back in to regulated balance. And a lot of people will spend when they're high to celebrate or spend when they're low to try and make themselves feel better. And essentially, that's a, an, an addiction. A volatile, oscillating addiction. And you need to untrain that and unlearn that. How do you do that? Don't be near a credit card. Don't be near anything while you're emotionally volatile. And make a rule that if you're going to spend emotionally, make sure you're saving emotionally or investing emotionally or you're investing into yourself emotionally or you're leveraging pain. So make sure you use the emotion. OK, now, really, the first stage of that is just to honor what the emotion is. So um, I wouldn't say I'm a spiritualist, but I definitely say that I've studied the spiritual and the material. I do believe they're not separable. I believe a Ferrari Testarossa 1987 is a very spiritual car as well as a material one. Um, but one thing I can tell you to help you with this, which spiritual teachers will teach you, is that if you observe your emotions rather than be your emotions, you will create a sense of calm and balance and wisdom and gratitude. So essentially, what we normally do is we feel our emotions like they are us. But if you can transcend them and go, oh, Rob, that's an interesting emotion you're doing. That's an interesting emotion you're choosing there. What does this mean? What happened when you were seven years old? That's, that, that's recurring. And you observe the emotion as, as if you're an observer rather than being a victim of it. And then you allow the emotion to pass. Like instead of being in the river with a fast torrent, which is your emotions, you step back on the banks and you see your emotions flow down. And there's distance between you and the emotions. Then you start making smart investment decisions. You, you save 
a third. You invest a third. You invest in yourself. You um, don't draw savings and then go and spend it. You don't go on holiday running away from your life. You don't buy liabilities that go down in value, etc. Okay, number two then, spending more than you earn. This is so self-explanatory. Just have a rule. Even if it's 95% spend versus earn, never go over 100% spending what you earn unless you're investing. So if you're investing in property or if you're investing in your own personal development or training, which is by far the best investment you could ever make. People say to me, Rob, what's made you tens or hundreds of millions? And they think I'm going to say property or cryptocurrency or personal brand or podcasts or whatever. No, no, no. It's the investment in myself. It's my public speaking, the confidence that I've built. I'm not saying I'm you know, confident in every area, but I'm confident in my teaching. Um, and it's the resilience and it's the appreciation for my relationship with money and it's the therapy and it's the courses and the masterminds and the mentoring. So I would probably break my rule in a month if it was an investment. If I had an investment opportunity, but then that's not spending, is it? It's investing. So never spend more than you earn, but, but by all means, invest in yourself. Okay, number three, hanging around with broke people. You are the sum of the people you hang around with. You know that. You don't need me to tell you that. You've read that in a zillion books. So are you mindful of who you are allowing to infiltrate your mind? What energy and frequency are you allowing to affect your energy and frequency? And I love hanging around with billionaires and hundred millionaires and decamillionaires and successful business owners and successful people. Not because I'm elitist or that they're any better than anyone else. They're not. They're just what I want to be. Hang around with what you want to be. Don't hang around with what you don't want to be. Simple as that. Like, you know, we could summarize your network is your net worth into that. Hang around with who you want to be and politely push away who you don't want to be. Simple. Oh, but Rob, my friends, my family, I owe the person. You don't owe anyone anything. Okay, number four. People think that money is bad. Money will change you. Well, you know what? Someone once said to me, Rob, you've changed. And I was like, thank you very much. Thank you. Can I kiss you? Because <laughs> they thought it was bad that I changed. I think that it's good that I'm changed. Why would I want to stay the same? I wouldn't want to be the same person I am 25 years ago. Although I was younger looking, I didn't have this cluster of greyness on my face called my beard. <laughs> but money doesn't change you. It's bullshit. It's a myth. It's a lie. Money does not change you because money is nothing. Money isn't greed. Money isn't good. Money has no values or morals. Money is a universal exchange of value. Money is a unit of account. Money is a transfer of value. Money is a measure. Money is a, a store of value. It's a way of keeping score. It's a universal exchange. It's a tool to make life easier, faster, better. It loves speed. It hates friction. But it's not a bastard. It doesn't love. It doesn't hate. It doesn't judge. So it can't change you. What money can do is make you more of what you already are. Because money is an enabler. It's a tool. It exaggerates and accelerates your existing traits and trajectory. So if you are a philanthropist, what are you going to do with more money? If you are a gambler, what are you going to do with more money? If you love Alexander McQueen, what are you going to do with more money? If you love supercars, what are you going to do with more money? If you love investing in yourself, what are you going to do with more money? If you want to build hospitals and schools, what are you going to do with more money? 
There you go. So money doesn't change you. It's just an enabler, an accelerator. It, it exaggerates your existing traits. So work on the traits. Because remember, what you appreciate, appreciates. Because why, why do I mention this one, by the way? And Tiffany said um, truth bombs and Christopher said, holy crap. The reason I say this is because if people think that money will change them or make them bad or people will judge them for having money, they'll, they'll repel money. Because remember, what you appreciate appreciates. Therefore, what you don't appreciate depreciates by a polarized universal law. If it's green, it grows. If it's ripe, it rots. If you water and grow and nurture something, it grows. If you leave something to rot, it rots. If you go to the gym, you get fit and strong. If you don't, you atrophy. Your muscles like literally wither away. You consume your own muscles. This is a universal law. So if you have an unconscious belief or bias or identity or fear of judgment and ridicule that money will change you, you'll repel it. But um, money is good and money is bad. Money is right and money is wrong. Money can be you. You can take $20. You can feed 20 kids in a developing country for 20 days with $20. You can take $20, put it in a magazine of bullets, put 20 bullets in a magazine and shoot 20 of the same kid. It's not money. Money is the tool. Money is like a wheel. Money is like a steering wheel. If you crash your car and someone dies, you don't sue the steering wheel. <laughs> if someone uses a hammer to smash a skull, you don't sue or try the hammer for murder. <laughs> you don't. But this is, I mean, if you want to say it like that, of course, it's fucking stupid. Oh, I'm taking the steering wheel to court. It fucking cut me up and ruined my car. I'm suing the steering wheel. You bastard. We would never do that. But that's what we do with money. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Never used that analogy before. But you know, but you think about a hammer. A hammer is better than your hand or your finger at knocking in a nail. Pretty fucking good tool. There's leverage in it. Bang, bang. Can also pull that, that nail out that you can't pull out with your hand. Pretty bloody good tool. Can also smash someone's skull in. Yeah, and I, you know, it's not nice, but it can. It's not, the tool is the tool. The tool creates leverage. Money creates leverage. Money does what you tell it. All right, great. So number five of unlearning is you've got to stop spending and you've got to start investing. People will spend according to their highest values. So let's say how you look is most important to you. You will buy creams, potions, fillers, whatevers, because you value how you look. Let's say that Travel is most, freedom and travel is most important to you. You spend all your money on holidays and travel. Um, Maria said here, I do think money changes depending on the person. Well, look, everyone is entitled to my opinion. Money doesn't change. A hammer doesn't change anything. A steering wheel doesn't change anything. It just does its job. Money's the same. It doesn't change anything. It just does its job. So it brings out what's already there. So, you know, someone who's reserved and wants to save petrol and is cautious, they'll drive 45 miles an hour holding that steering wheel. You know, a joyriding, you know, addict all over the place will drive at 150 miles an hour recklessly. It just exaggerates the traits. Okay, so if you move a lot of your emotional spending and what you spend on that's important to you and you make investing important to you, you're going to change your life. 
So um, we all have a set of values, the things that are most important to us in our life. In fact, you know what? I'm going to give you a quick exercise to write it down. So I would like you to get a pen and paper or your iPhone out. Look at the state of mine. And I would like you to write the five most important things to you in your life. Don't overthink it. Just write it as it comes out, flow in order. What are the five most important things to you in your life? Write them down right now. I'll give you two minutes. If I could sing, I'd sing you some elevator music. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to um, do an exercise to my music. <laughs> So we all have a set of values. Axiology is the study of values and things that are of value and worth and importance to us. We all live our life according to what's most important to us uh, and our traits and behaviours and focus and desires um, and time and space reflect what's most important to us. So if you can figure out where you're spending your money, i.e. what's important to you, and you can make investing as important to you as spending, your money's going to change. Now, look, I love spending money because I clearly had issues as a child and I'm trying to, you know, find importance and value and recognition from them. But, you know, I will buy cars two or three years or a classic car. I won't buy it at the peak of its depreciation curve. I'll buy it at the trough of its depreciation curve. I get a lot of the McQueen clothes in the 40% sale. I buy my... Um, you know, watches second hand, and often my watches go up in value. I've got 200, 250,000 pound hi-fi there, but I, if I sold that, I'd get all the money back on it. So I learned to take my spending habits of what's most important to me. You could call them spending emotions and spending addictions. And I learned to learn investing and love investing and get passion and joy out of investing as well as spending. And then you minimize your depreciation, you maximize your appreciation. So my watch is an investment as well as joy. And, you know, okay, I'm definitely not going to make money out of the clothes that I make, but I'm going to have the minimum depreciation if I buy them at the right point in the season. I bought a 1987 Ferrari Testarossa for 105 grand. I mean, that's an absolute bargain. That'll go way up. I'm sure that'll double in 10 years. Okay, number six, people pretend that money is important, isn't important, but going to the toilet is important, uh, water is important, oxygen is important, food is important, sex is important, your career is important, your health is important, therefore your money is important, because your money enables all of those, and disables those if you don't have it, because it's the universally, ex uh, universally agreed exchange of value. We have decided that to be more free and more healthy and more wealthy and more wise and to exchange products and services and to ex experience life as a community and to, to um, be interdependent, we've decided that money is the way that we measure and value things and exchange them. Therefore, anything that you want appreciates with money and anything that you want depreciates without it. You know, would you want to go and stay in a rat-infested hotel room? With cockroaches sleeping with you. No. Would you not be able to want to afford private healthcare, private insurance, private school? No, of course you'd want those finer things. And money gives you them. So don't pretend that money isn't important. It doesn't make you a bad person, a greedy bastard, a capitalist, Satan. It doesn't make you any of these things if you accept and appreciate that money is important to you. 
There you go, I said it. Liberation, like an exorcism. Da, 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 Rob just made it okay. All right, number seven that you need to unlearn is relying on one income stream. It's all about multiple streams of income, baby. You mustn't rely on one source. It's not enough. What about if there's a lockdown? What about if there's a disruption? Disruption. Disruptive. What about if you get fired, made redundant? What about if your industry comes under threat or it gets disrupted by another player? All right, so they're the things you need to unlearn. That was part one of four of my talk. Next, then, are the seven laws of wealth appreciation. Um, just give me a bit of feedback in the comments. How are you getting on? Are you finding this useful? Did that help you in any way? Um, just let me know in the comments. Maybe just share something that you thought was useful. Um, Christopher says this is orgasmic. Jagoda said, how many Costa coffees have I had? Nancy's loving it. Thank you, Malcolm, for your kind comments, too. I'm reading them all, as you can see. Great. Okay. Thank you, John, for your kind comments. Um, next, then, are the seven laws of wealth appreciation. What you appreciate, appreciates. You know, the law of gratitude is you get more of what you're grateful for. Where focus goes, energy flows and results show. What you appreciate, appreciates. So if you don't appreciate money, you don't respect money, you don't love money, you don't learn about money then you won't get more of it. So here are seven laws of wealth appreciation. And number one is you have to stop the... You have to stop spending on depreciables. If what you appreciate appreciates, you need to invest into appreciating assets. Real estate, business, social media, personal brand, podcasting, the audio influencer and creator economy, and all that's coming on the Recurring Income Summit. Hashtag mother trucker. So stop spending on creams and potions and traveling and depreciating liabilities like cars and, you know, just stop. Stop. Minimize the depreciation to maximize the appreciation. At the very least, stop the depreciation, even if you're not yet educated enough to um, appreciate your wealth. And we could teach you that. That's why we're here. We'll teach you about um, investing and, you know, appreciating your wealth and creating multiple streams of income and creating assets that create income streams. We got your back. Okay, so which leads us on to number two is you need to invest in appreciating assets. So every watch I've sold has made money. Now, it's capital, not income. I like property because it's capital, i.e. it goes up in value, and it's income, i.e. net rental return. Some are just capital, like... Um, for example, Bitcoin or watches or gold and silver. This is just capital. It goes up or down. But you, you have, when you have income as well, so your personal brand is capital, i.e. those of you that know me and get value out of me and there's some kind of connection and rapport between us, even if it's remote and we've not met face to face and we haven't slept with each other yet. There's always an ex watching. <laughs> um, can't remember what I was going to say. Get a little bit overexcited. Just talking to myself in my studio at home. So you want to, I like assets that have capital and income. Your personal brand is the capital. But, you know, I earn from supporters, from stars, from YouTube premium, from Facebook, uh, support, Facebook stars, YouTube ads, podcast ads, etc. I actually have nine income streams relating to my personal brand. So if the personal brand is the capital, you are the capital, then the income is the 
revenue that you generate on an ongoing basis. And Marie is lost for words. I have that effect on women, Marie. I do. I do. <laughs> Usually bad. Look, if we can't have fun, Marie, then what's the point in being alive? I've made it a rule. I've made it a rule in my life. Do you know what? I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause this bit and just talk shit for 90 seconds. I've got a rule in my life now that I'm going to fucking enjoy it because life is short and then we're dead. And I, I don't know if there's an afterlife and I don't know if I get another go. And it'd be kind of good if we didn't, or at least for me to believe that we didn't, so I can actually live the fucking one I've got. So I have made a decision, a decision. No matter what happens, no matter how hard it is, no matter how many lockdowns there are, no matter, no matter, no matter, I am going to enjoy my fucking life. So look, 98% of people who join my Zoom mastermind seem to think, you know, that I've got a, a lot of useful stuff to say and they like my, my style. Two to 5% think I am the Antichrist. Rob is Satan. He is Satan. Look, he's got a gun holster on. He's Satan. I couldn't give a fuck. Like, I'm not interested in that person. I'm not here to help that person. I'm not here to serve that person. That person's already decided from their 40 years of pain and hating themselves that they don't like me. And I'm not going to live my life for those 2%. I am going to have fun. That's one thing I just wanted to say about life. The second thing is I believe the secret to life is being brave. And facing your demons. Because I believe on the other side of all your fears and, oh, what ifs and, oh, I can't say that in case, you know, I get rejected and ridiculed or I might hurt that person. I might get trolled on social media or whatever. And we've all got these what ifs and can'ts and shouldn'ts. What if you were brave and what if you were bold and you were just purely yourself? Now, I believe there's a couple of caveats. Make sure you've got a meaningful vision and make sure that you've got ethics and ecology. So don't fuck the planet and don't fuck other people and make sure you've got a clear vision for the next 55 years. And mine, is, this is mine, to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial knowledge. The financial knowledge in schools is not raising entrepreneurs. It's not helping capitalism. It's not helping wealth distribution. People don't know how to manage their emotions around money. They're not taught proper budgeting. They're not taught shit about money at school. And I'm here to fucking change it. And I'm going to piss off the communists and piss off the socialists. I'm going to pick on the broke people who hate their life. I'm going to, the, the bitches, the moaners, the whiners, the complainers, the trolls, the critics, they're fucked because I'm coming for you for the next 55 years. That's my vision. And if you like that vision and you want to learn from that and you'd like to make more money and have a better life and do really good, you know, really good work, I'm your man. But if you can't face the truth, fuck off my seminar. <laughs> Don't waste your time. I tell you, what, I always get a hater who just has to follow me and he has to watch everything or she. And say, oh, oh, Rob, oh, that shit, that shit. Don't like that, Rob, that shit, that shit, your shit, that shit. That. And they spend 16 hours of their weekend telling me I'm shit. <laughs> so face the demons be bold be brave those truths those fears those doubts those pains fucking face them because if it's hard now it's easy later life's too short amen right back in the seminar sorry for the commercial break but just it's important it's important it's important 
We're gonna have fun. I'm gonna force you to have fun. I will make you laugh. I will make you laugh. You could be so uptight, hating life. You haven't had sex since 1962. You're determined to hate this seminar. Well, when an immovable force meets an immovable object, I will break you. You will have fun. You will have fun. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back in the room and back on the Zoom. Seven laws of wealth appreciation. Number three <laughs> is learn to manage what you already have first. I'd love more money. I'd love a hundred million gift. Come on, um, oi government, you fucked us. Give me a hundred mil, no loans, no support, lockdown, might have even been a conspiracy. Give me money, you bastards. Let, don't, let me not pay tax. But it's never gonna happen. The only way you get wealthy is to appreciate and learn to manage what you've already got. You can't manage five million if you can't manage five quid. So learn to manage what you've already got. Save a third, invest a third, spend a third. You've got six dollars. Spend two, save two, invest two. Then when you got six million, you'll spend two mil, save two mil, invest two mil. All right, number four then, you must invest in yourself. You are your best asset. You pay yourself the best return. Invest in yourself wisely. You must invest in yourself. Your knowledge, your experience, your education, your mentoring, masterminding, proximity, network, education, support, accountability. All of this stuff is an investment. And if you don't invest in yourself, no one else will. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anyone else? You know, what you invest in and you nurture appreciates. You plant a seed and, you know, you give it sunlight and you give it water and a bit of miracle grow and a bit of a voodoo dance. The thing freaking grows into an oak tree. You grab an acorn, you go throw it over there in the content and say, give me my fucking tree tomorrow. <laughs> Doesn't work. Invest in yourself. You are your best asset. You pay yourself the most return. All right, number six, you must transcend your emotions around money. I've already ta uh, talked about that. You must bring yourself that back down from infatuation and elation. You must bring yourself up from dep depression and anxiety before you make important financial decisions. Okay, and number seven is resourcefulness makes more money than money. People always say, oh, Robert, you need money to make money. Well, if that was the case, no one would make any money because no one starts with any money. Oh, yeah, but some people get handed, handed it down. Well, maybe when they're 21 or 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 80. Not when they start work. It doesn't, you know, when you start work, you don't get paid for 30 days. So it doesn't take money to make money. It takes energy, time, resourcefulness, accountability, value. You have to get out of here. If you think it takes money to make money and you ain't got any money, you're fucked. You've just fucked yourself before you even start. Doesn't even matter what I say. It doesn't take money to make money. I was 50 grand in consumer debt. And then I got out of debt and made 100 grand in just over a year. I bought 20 properties, no money down in my first year, then 30 in the second year. I borrowed money off my business partner, my his mum, his stepdad, then my mum, then my uncle, then private investors, people I didn't even know. I got myself out of debt and made it my first hundred grand in just over a year. In four years or so, I became a millionaire. Then by 35, a decamillionaire. We're developing a, a unit with 159 tenants in it right now. 100 units, 159 tenants. $25 million at least project. All from no money down. It doesn't take money to make money. Companies start, they have no money, they bootstrap. And they raise investment and that's how they grow their business. Or other companies start and they sell shit quick 
and they reinvest the cash flow. They fund through cash flow or, you know, debt or equity. Now, if you've got money, can you make more money? Of course you can. Why do millionaires who go bust become millionaires again? Because they have the resourcefulness, the courage, the creativity, the innovation, the work ethic. All right, cool. I've got 15 minutes left. Let me know what you're thinking of the content so far. If there's anyone under the age, I was going to say of 18, but really, my son knows how to swear and he's 10. Anyone under the age of eight, I fucking apologize for my language. All right, the difference between passive and recurring income. So, oh yeah, good point, Chris. Christopher said, shit, I only got six laws. Someone is paying attention. Christopher, I love people like you in my life. You, I am carefree and careless and you are careful and we make a good team. Are you single? <laughs> yeah, I missed one. You reinvest profits back into assets. You use your resourcefulness, your energy, your creativity. That is what starts the company, starts the engine, the fuel. And then as you make profits, you reinvest it back into the company, back into marketing to fuel growth or back into assets to diversify. A lot of people make a bit of profit and then they just spend it. It's like, oh, I've planted an acorn. There's a sapling. Oh, I love that sapling. I'll suck that sapling. I'll smoke that sapling. Oh, shit, I've got no tree. All right. So five differences between passive and recurring income. Because look, you have to work hard enough not to have to work hard. And you have to set to forget. And look, some people say that passive income is a scam. Well, I say working for 35 or 40 or 45 or 50 years for barely above minimum wage, sold on the dream that you're going to have a pension and retire young. That's a bigger fucking scam. But I don't want you to think this is get rich quick. And by the end of this seminar, I'll have planted a million quid in your bank. I won't be getting you to do mantra saying, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I am no, none of that shit. It's, you know, yes, vision. Yes, goal setting. But strategies and tactics and graft and craft and ethic. These are also important. So I think passive is achievable, but it's the end. The beginning, you, you, you almost go, you go from active to recurring to passive. Write that down. That's the journey. You go from active to recurring to passive. Active is your job, your public speaking, you're building the company. Recurring is when you have contracts or subscriptions or promised money that comes in regularly. OnlyFans, that's recurring income. But, you know, those people on OnlyFans, they're doing work. <laughs> that's not passive unless they're receiving. Maybe I should not say anything about that. That's not passive. It's recurring. And there's a difference. Now, I love active and passive and recurring because I love money and money and money. I got paid £125,000 to do a speech for 150 grand on a done naked live because that's good um, active money for me. It's not a sin to exchange your time for money. Robert Kiyosaki, you never exchange your time for money. It's just a sin. You exchange your time for money, you're a fucking loser. No, no. Tim Cook just got paid 750 million in shares. He cashed most of it out. Today, the news came out. That's not passive. That's not recurring. He worked for 10 freaking years, probably 12 hours a day. Active is good, but it's a trap. Or at least you get stuck in a cycle. Recurring is when you've got subscriptions, monthlies, memberships, contracts, payment plans. And then passive is when you truly don't have to work for it anymore. So you've got the asset. So Slade wrote a, a number one called It's Christmas in 1979. And they earn half a million minimum every year on Christmas Day ever since. That's called passive income. It is possible to say um, to achieve passive income. It's possible. But not at the start. It's active, then recurring, then passive. So anyone that says, oh, well, passive income's a scam, it's impossible. What that means is they don't know how. 
or they hate you or they hate themselves. That's what it actually means. It is possible. Music royalties from a song that was written 40 years ago is passive income now. But you have to go active, recurring, passive. So passive is kind of like um, at the end and active is at the beginning. Recurring is ongoing. It's unbreakable. It's undefeatable. It's relentless. You know, like, does anyone like cats or hate cats? Put, put love if you love cats and hate if you hate cats in the comments. Let's have a cat vote. Yeah, Craig's hate. All right, love or hate in the comments about cats. I'm not going to judge you, by the way. I'm not going to troll you on social media. So I had a cat called Wizard, and he was persistent. And he used to jump up on the edge of the sofa and... And he used to put his, like... You know Dodgem cars with the thing that touches the top? His tail would go up like that and he'd put his ass right in my face. And I'd be like, Wizard, get off. And you, 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 throw, you know, throw him a couple of feet. Back again. Throw him four foot back again. Throw him 20 foot out of the window. He still comes back. All right. That's recurring income. It's freaking relentless. You've got that asset. You spend all that money every month. It comes next month. You spend that money that month. It comes next month. You're only 30 days away from the next month. It's relentless. It's like my cat wizard. It just won't give up. It keeps coming back. No matter how hard you spend it. That's the kind of income you need. All right, now when people say passive income, some people think lazy bastard income. I do not want you to think lazy bastard income. I want you to think set up an asset that I could own forever that has recurring and then passive income. So you work hard enough not to have to work hard. You're set to forget. That's the right mindset for true recurring income. Cool, we got nine minutes left. Here we go. So rules to set up recurring income. I'm gonna give you the five rules. One, one, two, three, four, five rules of setting up recurring and or passive income. So number one, there's only one way to get recurring or passive income, and that is uh, an asset, an asset. Because you can't get recurring income through active labor because it doesn't recur. You've exchanged the hour. If you stopped, the money stops. Like Tim Cook couldn't do his first three weeks in Apple and go, oh, I'll wait 9.99 years now to get my 750 mil. Doesn't work like that. So the only way to get recurring income is to build an asset. Now, you, you could build a personal brand as an asset. You know, if you have a million followers, if you have a podcast with millions of downloads, a YouTube channel with 100,000 subscribers, I've got Clubhouse with what, 268,000 followers. The assets around your personal brand, your social media channels, your NFTs, your podcasts, your audio books, that can become an asset. But you have to turn your information into an asset. You have to turn your time exchange into an asset. You have to turn sweat equity into real equity. That's rule number one. Only thing that creates recurring income is assets. And you're going to get to, what, seven maybe different asset classes, give or take. Um, on the Recurring Income Summit, so you're in the right place. Number two, you can't start 15 different assets all at once. Yeah, I love passive recurring on multiple streams of income. I'm going to do Forex trading. I'm going to have a YouTube channel. I'm going to build my personal brand. I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I'm going to do courses, seminars, masterminding, mentoring. I'm going to do public speaking. Blah, blah, blah. And they try and do it all at once. Doesn't work. I have a 70-20-10 rule. One income stream is not enough. I already told you that at the start of my talk. But seven in a row is too many. 
So I have a little rule, it's called 70-20-10. Write this down, 70-20-10. My 70-20-10 rule, Rob Moore's money rule, 70-20-10. Now I'm sure you've heard of um, Richard Koch and the 80-20 um, principle, also known as Pareto principle from Pareto back in the day. And that is 80% of your results from 20% of your work or time or output. You wear 80% of your clothes 20% of the time. You have 80% of the balding in 20% of the areas. Um, you make 80% of your money from 20% of your tasks. You've probably heard all of that. So my 70-20-10 rule is a bit of an adaptation of that. And what it is, is the time that you're going to put into investing in assets, let's say it's 20 hours a week, 70% of it should be on your main asset or income stream. Could be your training business, like mine, my education business, Progressive, that you're here as a part of. Could be real estate or property investing. For me, for many years, that was my 70%. But you make your main thing the main thing. 70% of your time on one income stream, your main one, your big one. Then 20% of your time on your second or your second and third income streams, the supplementary supporting ones. And then 10% of your time on one other or all of the others. Essentially, it's research and just um, the start. So that's 14 hours a week on your main, four hours a week on your second one or two. Uh, and then two hours a week on um, all the others. Now, that model is sustainable and scalable. And what you do is once you've got your main income stream up and running, you systemize it. So I haven't been actively involved in my personal hands. I mean, look at these hands. These hands are so soft. Fairy advert. These hands are so soft. Mwah. Because I haven't, even, like, I haven't even licked a paintbrush for 12 years. Because I've systemized and set and forget property investing. So property used to be my 17 when I started. And I don't have to put any more time or effort into it now because it's an asset that recurs um, with passive income. I have 1,200 units or 1,200 tenancies in my property portfolio of ownership, management, and development. All right, so the 70-20-10 rule, not the 100-0-0 rule, and not the 12-12-12-12-12-12-12-12-12-12-12 rule. Hopefully that makes sense. You follow that rule, you'll get to multiple streams of recurring and passive income in the realistic but shortest amount of time. All right, number three, I've already said this, so I'm just gonna remind you, you have to set to forget. And you have to work hard enough not to have to work hard. I don't want any lazy bastard um, passive income seekers here. I don't mind leveraged bastards, but just not lazy. You have to work hard enough not to have to work hard. You have to set to forget. You have to invest and build into the asset to get the recurring income. You plant the acorn, you've got to look after that before you get the oak tree. Once you've got the oak tree, you've got the oak tree. Oh, and then you've got the um, seasons of acorns and fruit beyond. It's really important to say that because there's too many scammers and schemers and people selling you overnight get-rich-quick bullshit that doesn't work, that sells you a fantasy. All right, number four then. If you want passive income, you need to systemize the asset. So um, I'm actually recording this on a podcast on my Shure microphone, as well as it being live on the Zoom, as well as having the recording from the live from the Zoom. So we've actually got live now on the Recurring Income Summit. We've got recorded video. We've got the audio. And we could obviously get this transcribed for a nice piece of content. So actually, I'm systemizing this piece of content. Because once I'm done, I've got the assets for the podcast and audio, for video and for written. So that's an example of where you systemize something. If you're going to buy properties, get a manager in or have a letting agency or create your own letting agency, write software and system and process and manual and, you know, have recruitment and onboarding processes so that you can um, grow your asset base, but with less of your personal time. Because the trap as an entrepreneur 
We have a vision that we're going to work for ourselves. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be free and we're going to work 15 hours a, uh, a week and we're going to get passive income and in the end up we work in 70 or 80 hours a week. Um, and we're the worst boss in the world. That's what it ends up being. Why? Because the more that needs to get done, the harder we start to work. But that gets to diminishing law of returns. You know, your first 20, 30 hours a week will get a good return. Your next 20 or 30 hours a week will get an average return. Anything after that, basically get you no return. So you can't get into diminishing laws of return. All right. And then number five is um, you start your 70 class, real estate, your business, your personal brand, etc. And then you systemize it and then you have a conveyor belt. So I have real estate personal brand, subscription sites, training companies, letting agencies, yada, yada. And people often think, oh, well, Rob must have started those all 15 years ago. No, no. I, I started as a job working for an entrepreneurial guy in a property company first. And um, I didn't think he was a great boss because he was lazy and he made us do everything. And he talked to me a bit like a piece of shit and he was very militant. And at the time, I didn't like that. But then, you know, once we left and set up Progressive, I thought, this is brilliant. He got me to do everything, which mean, means I learned everything. I basically got, um, you know, a free degree off a real entrepreneur, not just from school where the tutors don't do the thing. I mean, at my degree in architecture, none of the tutors were practicing architects. That's like being, you're about to be put under the anesthetic and the doctor's there. All right, Rob, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good. What's your training, doc? Oh, well, I, re I read some books. Oh, have you ever done a surgery? No, 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 I just read it in books. Shut up, here's the knife. I'm going to cut you. But this is the school system. The school system is you're learning from someone who's got a knife in their hand who's never done a surgery. Yet you accept it. What are you doing? Don't accept it. Question it. Challenge it. Anyway, I'm getting sweaty and I've got T minus 12 seconds left. So you create a conveyor belt where you set up your asset, you systemize it. And then you move your other asset into your 70 from your 20 and then you systemize it. And then you move your other asset from your 20 to your 70 and your 10 to your 20. You know, like, um, what's her name? Rihanna. She's just become a billionaire. And she only made about a quarter of her wealth through her, what, 20-ish year singing career? The rest of it is from products and endorsements and brand and sponsorships and her lingerie company. So she built a personal brand asset and then she essentially created assets from that. That's how you create multiple streams of income.